0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke.
1: Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content marketing in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and I am truly delighted that you have taken some of that very valuable time of yours to spend with me again this week. Today, a great guest and and an area that's quite narrow, but something that you are all going to be absolutely interested in because it is something you have to get your heads around. But as we do each week, we start with the definition of what content marketing is as it relates to government and the public sector. So content marketing is a strategic, measurable, and repeatable business process that relies on the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So that is content marketing as it relates to government and the public sector. So our guest today is Anil Chawler, He is the founder and CEO of Archive Social, a civic tech company which specializes in social media archiving and risk management for public agencies. Archive Social has archived records for hundreds of government entities, including the City of Chicago, the State of North Carolina, and the U.S. Department of Justice, and it's all about increasing government transparency and effective record keeping. Anil Chawler has over 10 years' experience in the software industry, working for companies such as IBM, where he began his career. He founded Archive Archive Social with the mission to give organisations protection and control of their own social media data. So Anil, thanks very much for joining us in transition. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Anil, what is the Anil Chawler story? How How is it that you've arrived at this civic mission in this civic company?
0: Well, sure. I'll, I'll cover that in a brief moment because my life is probably not much more interesting than anybody else's, but uh, happy to be doing what I'm doing today. If you rewind back, my background stems from a software engineering focus. I went to school for computer science and uh, in 2004 began working for IBM, as you mentioned, uh, working on enterprise technology around security and then big data But on the side, I saw what was happening in the social networking world with with networks like Twitter and Facebook really taking off. So I began hacking on the APIs, building small applications, and I found that really fulfilling. And in 2010, I decided to leave my job at IBM to try to start a company. And it was a really fortunate time, uh, to be honest, where social networking had made that transition uh, out of this is a great way to share cat photos to this is how business gets conducted uh, and not only in the private sector, but also in government. Now, to be very honest with our audience, I, do not ha- I did not at that time have a background in public sector, but as I was working on different ideas, came across this compliance use case, the fact that social media can contain important communications, just like your email or anything else, and that there are record-keeping requirements, and uh, learned about the need to archive content like email, understood that social media would be a part of that, and then discovered public records and freedom of information requirements. Uh, I live in North Carolina. It turns out that North Carolina is is, uh, not as a state, but I would say as an archives entity here in the state of North Carolina, the North Carolina State Library and Archives is very forward thinking. And they had began to address the issue of social media as a record and was able to connect the dots uh, and and applied my my technical know-how to this problem space of of record keeping in government. um, and, And that's where it all started.
1: And so, how did you start to make people aware that you had this particular service available to government and public sector organisations to to take on this very challenging, vexed issue that they've got in terms of records management?
0: It's a great question. So to step back, uh, the idea that social media is a record uh, is is actually nothing new when you look at the laws, especially here in the United States as well as in Australia. Uh, record keeping laws have, have been built to to be agnostic of of the platform and the physical medium. They basically state that the communications that deal with your business should be maintained as record. Uh, and and so, but, but we do face this problem with, with what we do, where the light bulb hasn't necessarily gone off for everybody in every agency that what's happening on social media is really business business centric. It is impactful especially during emergency management um, and, and customer service situations. And so we have this two front approach even from the very beginning of putting information out on the web and, and really just educating the audience outside of trying to sell our product Just say this is a record, this is a problem, here's what's happening. So we do, we, we, from the very beginning had a, a huge focus on t- and talking about this. It started with me writing a few blog posts to today where we, we do webinars twice a month with our partner at Government, at government Technology. So that, that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation, to be very honest with you, especially when we were starting, was picking up the phone and just dialing, dialing at agencies. Uh, and we started here in North Carolina with calling the state archives to say, hey, you, you've been at the forefront of this issue. I've seen you put presentations out about social media as a record. You're using web crawling, which gets you somewhere, but it's really not where you want to be. And, I, and we have a different approach in, in really getting them to a first meeting, calling the city that I'm in, city of Durham, calling major cities in the United States, like the city of Houston was one of the first cities that picked up the phone when we dialed them uh, and, and putting this out in front and, and saying, social media is a record. What are you doing about it? And by the way, we can make this really easy. And seeing that click was really exciting in the early days. And that's that's, that's been at the core of our model
1: ever since. It's reaching so out. It, so in terms of that, though, how aware would you say, as governments are, about this fact that, you know, the content that exists in social media needs to be kept as a record?
0: Well, we, we've been measuring that in, in not a perfectly scientific way, but by in, as a process of, of our content marketing and, and doing uh, putting material out and then doing webinars, one of the components of our webinars has been to, to actually poll the audience on that exact question. Do you believe social media is a record? Yes, I absolutely do. It might be a record. I don't think it's a record, I'm not sure. Those are, those are generally the buckets we're looking for. And even a year and a half ago, two years ago, we were seeing somewhere between 50 to 70% of the audience say, I think it's a record uh, in a state like Florida or Washington here in the United States where we have a lot of public records, uh, legal precedent. Uh, the answer is a little higher. It's been really interesting this year as we've continued to, to educate the market and folks have become aware in general to see that number go from 50 to 70% to nearly 90%. It's, hey, wow. it's not even a question actually for most of those folks of, is it a record? I need to do something about it. It's more of, am I currently on my own Facebook page, on my own Twitter account, am I doing something that actually creates a record or is it something that I need
1: to worry about later? So how do you believe that like that, is, is that mainly for the States or is that sort of across the world? Because we do have listeners around the world. What, what sort of uh, views would you have about, you know, not just the United States? Is, is that something that is in other countries or is that across the board?
0: So there's there's two ways to look at that. Uh, on one hand, if we focus just on the on the regulatory requirement, retaining social media as a record for public records, there are a handful of countries that we see this being a, a, a prominent issue. The United States, of course, Australia, Canada come to mind. But then there's this other side of the equation that, that you have to think about. And, 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 and when we work with agencies here, oftentimes this is what really pushes them over the edge to take action and be proactive is that even if it were not a public record, a regulatory requirement, what gets communicated on social media, particularly in the public sector, is of such importance that it can touch a legal situation or a legal situation can touch your social media. And if you are in a legal situation, and we have many case studies now that cover this, and social media is requested, how are you going to bring that information in the mix? How are you going to respond to that legal discovery? How are you going to show that you did what you were supposed to do, especially if that content no longer exists on Facebook? And that legal side is a second half that is broadly applicable to, to really any organization across the country, across the world. Okay.
1: Now, just what I do want to do is actually dive into the into the how and to the best practice and how people can actually, you know, what can they do to, in fact, uh, meet those requirements, be they regulatory or not. But just as a broad observation, how is government doing with social media, and how well are they using social media in order to strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens?
0: Like anything else, it, it varies across the board. But I think
1: I think there is a rising
0: tide. Uh, there's a really exciting conference that we're we're heavily involved with, called Government Social Media Conference here in the States, that started last year. Uh, that we helped co-host last year and that we, we helped uh, sp- uh, play a major role in sponsoring this year. And it's a good proxy for the excitement and interest about around social media and government. What we're seeing is that uh, the conversation used to be about uh, do we even need a Twitter account or a Facebook account? Can we just avoid um, if, if we have an account, can we avoid the, the two-way dialogue? Can we just post out our information on Facebook and treat it as a a secondary channel for exactly what's happening elsewhere on our blog and our press releases, that has completely gone away. I think we've really, the industry as a whole has moved. Uh, Agencies have recognized that the point of social networking is to be social and develop that network. Uh, And so in pockets, we're seeing some really amazing things happen on social media where uh, law enforcement agencies are crediting social media, uh, for, for vastly improving the, the amount of crime tips they're receiving to help them solve crimes. In emergency management, you cannot deny it when there is a me- emergency. Uh, as we saw, the Paris attacks, we saw here in the States, the San Bernardino attacks. Social media, undeniably, is the most effective, efficient way to get your agency's message out there and then have an audience amplify that official communication. So there are definitely areas where we're seeing social media being the primary channel for government to get the message
1: out. Yeah, but that's in those particular areas, as you say, of emergency management, customer service, law enforcement. But what about in more, you know, day-to-day business-as-usual spaces? Say in policy development, you know, do, are you seeing more adoption of the, the the platform of social to encourage that that two-way I- interaction?
0: Absolutely, we're, we're seeing cities take on uh, their open open uh, meetings, their, their town hall meetings. Uh, and performing open meetings on Facebook. Again, this is in pockets, but it, it's becoming more of a trend. Um, we're, we're seeing we're seeing uh, agencies really investing in just developing an audience. So even if it's law enforcement, but it's not a crime, we're seeing just tw- Twitter ride-alongs. We're seeing uh, economic development initiatives that are creating hashtag campaigns and polls to engage the audience. And, and what I put forth in front of you is uh, I, I, I don't personally separate customer service situations from the other day to day, I, I would stipulate that the entire purpose of a government being on social media is government exists to serve the citizens. And social media is at this point, in my belief, the most effective way to serve the citizens. So everything about social media and government is customer service.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good point. What about though? How, how do you encourage uh or what's best practice in term to convince the the risk-averse people who say, look, we can't open that channel because if we open that channel, they're going to say bad things about us or bad things are going to happen? How what's that journey to sort of turn a risk-averse executive or indeed political office who are not so keen on trying to talk and open uh, an open communication with with citizens and stakeholders you hit on a, a really uh, central objection that we often hear for from agencies that have hesitated to,
0: to get engaged on social media as they're worried about the Pandora's box that might open up uh, the negativity that might come in uh, and it's actually a really easy it's actually it's a really reasonable objection to have uh, on the surface level it makes a lot of sense that that could happen but it's actually a really easy objection to, to push back on uh, the beautiful thing about government is that government can, can cheat and steal from its neighbors. A city can cheat and steal from its, the cities around it. But they're also very competitive. And so there's this con- there's a snowball effect where you could just point to the city next to you and say, well, actually, their, their demographics are just like yours. Their issues are just like yours. And here's what they're doing on social media. And in fact, it's working pretty well. And, and, and really, anecdotally, every single agency we've talked to about this that had that concern initially, um, that realized that when they got on social media that that they could only make it more positive. Because if there's negativity, it's going to happen anyway. It's going to brew in the background. It's going to be about you. And it's much better to be a part of the conversation and shift that negativity, demonstrate that you are that you care, that you're an agency full of human beings, do all the things that social media empowers you to do. And so we, we just point to those, those corollary peer examples for, for agencies to learn from. And then just, just to add on to that, there are some things that you have to take care of Social media policy being one of those. Again, cheat and steal, take it from your neighbour. Uh, we have a social media policy template that we, we freely give out, and many, many organisations do. Establish the policy. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Have things like record-keeping, of course, in place. There are many things that you can do that, everyone, that other agencies have already figured out that you can just copy to, to set the landscape for you.
1: Just, just as an aside, how long do you think there is these social media policies are going to exist, given that we don't have a telephone policy? Or we do, yeah there it seems to me that it's it's it, it's certainly for a point in time, but ultimately social media is just going to be like any channel that we use.
0: You know that, that's a really interesting thought that that uh, honestly has not come up in our customer conversations, but I think it's a valid point that we don't have detailed policies out on email and and, and phone per se. At some level, there is a policy, of course, there's an employee handbook. there, there are staff guidelines for government agencies or internal policies that tend to be there. As, as, as an aspect of employment, I think that is an artifact of it being a fairly new medium. It may feel like we've had social media forever at this point, but it's still only yeah. been about ten to twelve years, right? Since social media even came into into existence for us in the current form. Yeah, uh, and so it is part. Of, uh, the big part of it is level setting. I think we'll still 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 see the, some things like in an email, you have the the, the disclosures at the bottom of an email, right? And that's in every single email. You just simply can't have that in every tweet because of of character constraints or even in a Facebook post without character constraints. It doesn't make sense. So that's where you then move those things into a common policy that's sitting on your Facebook page. So I think in some sense we will see it, but you're right, that there will be norms that are established.
1: Okay. Right, well, let's just go through it. So I'm in the department of wherever. I have to get my head around archiving uh, the the. The content that I'm producing and distributing and that I'm receiving. How do I go through that? So, Anil, I'm here. Take me through it. How how do we get ourselves set up so that we've got a process here that can manage, understanding that I've don't have too many resources? I think that would probably be every government agency pretty much in the world, every public sector organization. So how am I going to do this effectively?
0: And you're asking in general how to how to effectively start a social media presence and figure out where to focus?
1: No, not so much the social media presence, but I've got that up and running. I've got that started. But what the issue now, I've got to make sure that I'm archiving this effectively. How do I go about doing that?
0: Well, (laughs) not not to plug us too too, too, too directly, but (laughs) there is technology (laughs) like Archive Social that makes that very easy. The beautiful thing about social media is that it's out in the cloud. Uh, In the past, there was a heavy dependence on your internal IT, even with email, where your IT sets up email whether it's on-premise on, on premise or today, maybe uh, on Office 365 or in Google Apps in the cloud. Regardless, IT sets it up. IT decides who has an email account. If you get locked out of it, IT3 sets your password, right? They manage that. And so there's a level of complexity uh, and friction with almost everything that we've ever dealt with in terms of record-keeping in, in government. Uh, that's the same thing for file sharing, uh, instant messaging, text messaging. But social media is different. It's out in the cloud. IT, in fact, could play no role at all because you as a communicator can simply just go create your own Facebook page, uh, reset your own password, and and manage it yourself. Uh, But that makes things like archiving actually really easy. And that's really why we tend to work with communicators more than anybody else. We start with the communicator because the communicator understands, one, how important social media is, and two, the communicator has the Facebook credentials to be able to archive. And so with the cloud technology, our technology, like many other vendors, simply talks to Facebook and Twitter in the background. In our process, to be very honest with you, the average city, county, uh, law enforcement agency, state agency that signs up with us, even federal agency, can set up archiving end-to-end with us in less than 20 minutes. It's as easy as logging into Facebook. So if you're the social media manager that has all the credentials, you just log in over and over again to, to the different networks, and that's it. And in the background, we're talking directly to these networks in the cloud, pulling all the data in, continuously protecting you. Without you having to lift a finger after that and that's that's the beautiful thing about about social media and the fact that it's out there.
1: okay, so but uh, so you're then archiving everything. so it's not just you're not making judgments about what's in and what's out
0: that that's very true. And so when you bring this up with records manager and ar- managers and archivists, uh, they will be the first to make the distinction that says not everything is public record. Yeah, that's it. You have to evaluate communication by communication, categorize it, schedule it, uh, and figure out what's worth keeping and what's not to your existing retention schedule. There does not have to be a new retention schedule for social media. It's based on the content, not the format. Uh, But the important point here is that while that data is out on Facebook and Twitter, you don't have any control of it. We actually ran a study here at Archive Social in January just to prove this point to ourselves where we sampled 400 government agencies in one month, January of 2016, to see how much data is disappearing from Facebook. We now have the technology to to detect those deletions on Facebook. And in one month, 400 customers lost nearly 8,000 records, about 20 a customer. Uh, It turned out that not every customer had deletion, but 75% of them had at least one deletion. Some had dozens of deletions, and they didn't even know about it. So, until you get your, this data in your control, you can't. You have to control before you can curate. Now, the reality is with the volume of information, it's going to be really hard to, for you to curate every single record. And that's a common problem, not just with social media but with email. But we do provide tools around tagging uh, based on content and then retaining based on content if you want to go to that approach. But you have to get the data in your control first.
1: Yeah, okay. That makes very good sense that you you do have to get it under control. But do you find that many people... Go back and go through the tagging exercise, or do they just leave it all there and you've stored it somewhere in the cloud? So, if they need it, they know it's there, but otherwise, they're they're not too bothered by it.
0: I will say the vast majority uh, stop at having having control. That's a, it's a huge it's a huge yeah. leap forward of having your data, having the record. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is a time investment, a resource investment to then curate it. We do certainly have customers that curate it. More often than not, those customers, though, are setting up bran- blanket policies that say, we're just going to retain this for three years across the board. Uh, that's not ideal, per se, from a records management standpoint, but it is a practicality given the volume. Uh, and the, the other point that I'll add here is retention is is, is a little bit of an arcane topic, uh, when, it, when, when you're thinking about these new formats that are around public broadcasting of information, with email, even with email, email tends to be point to point between one individual and another or one individual and a few. Mm-hmm. And outside of someone forwarding your email along, in the, especially if you're an internal organization, you could conceivably wipe out most, if not all, copies of that email thread. With social media, because it's on Facebook, you broadcast it to the public it's on Facebook, first of all. Hopefully, it'll be there. It may not be, as I, as, I, as I mentioned. But anybody could have seen it. Hundreds of millions of people could have seen it. Anybody could have kept a record of it. So from an electronic discovery standpoint, uh, if it exists, it's discoverable. It's, 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 it's sort of a shift in the paradigm. And, and you having information may be in your benefit just to retain it so that you can at least tell your side of the story. So if you removed, a good example would be uh, a controversial topic on your Facebook page perhaps an outspoken citizen that isn't that, that, that maybe antagonistic to your agency, speaks up, you end up moderating what they said, you end up removing it or hiding it because it violated your policy, uh, and then they come back and file a lawsuit. It's in your interest to be able to reproduce all of that and show that you had a policy and show exactly how you behaved and have the record keeping, then for, for you not to have the records and them to be able to tell just what they want to tell in terms of their story.
1: Okay. Just as a matter of of interest, uh, when you did that survey around the deletions, uh, how did those deletions come about? Were they indiscriminate or were they deliberate or was it Facebook just cleaning house or how how did they come about? So
0: while we are able to automatically detect the deletions from Facebook, we don't have that that next step of information of of who deleted Ah. it, why they deleted it. We know when. Uh, and, And so I can't give you an exact answer on that, but I will tell you that I don't I can say, with the, but, but as fact, that our customers were not aware of all of those solutions happening. So mm-hmm. they they may have deleted some of it, but a lot of it does happen because of the citizens. And again, the citizen commentary to you, the private messaging to you, can, is just as much potentially just as much public record as what you're saying. And a citizen can change their mind. They could give you a crime tip, and then say, "I don't want to be associated with that," and delete it. They could delete their Facebook account, which pulls out their information. There's a, a wide variety of scenarios in which a citizen removes content. You do not know about it. So Facebook does not itself notify you about that unless you're using technology um, like the technology that we have.
1: Okay. Now, that, look, there are several governments who have an open archive of social media, such as the state of North Carolina. What are they doing and, and what's motivating them about having that open archive?
0: I'm glad you asked about that. Ultimately, when you think about public records, freedom of information, or as they're often called, open records, uh, why not take an open record and make it truly open? Uh, Particularly if it's social media content, uh, it should not have sensitive information in it, unless it's, say, perhaps it's private messaging, but most of the content on social media is public anyway at some point. So that was the realization that North Carolina brought to us. uh, As they were one of our earliest customers, they said... We, we already make our web content open and available. Is there any way we can do that with your social media? So we worked hand-in-hand with them in 2010 to launch as what we believe to be the first open interactive archive of social media ever created. And it was really, really encouraging uh, personally for me to see how that caught on with the number of agencies. The city of Austin followed suit uh, and did that. The city of Dallas has an open archive today. Uh, and a number, no, no, number of even small cities like the city of Cary where, where, where I live is a, is a relatively small city, um, have really bought into taking transparency to the fullest.
1: Yeah, and, and do, they, do you find that many people are accessing that open archive?
0: There is enough access going on for these jurisdictions to keep the archives around. The numbers are, aren't incredible. There, there's not a, not, a, not a huge surge that we see uh, of this happening uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, but journalists are definitely benefiting from it. And one area that we're seeing the Open Archive be uh, especially beneficial is when there is a crisis situation, something that that garners not only local but national media attention. Uh, A great example of this would be a customer of ours. Snohomish County, Washington, in 2014, uh, encountered uh, a massive landslide. This was national news here in the States. This tragic landslide that happened on a Saturday And social media, again, was at the forefront of getting information out to the citizens about this landslide, ensuring that people avoided the service road that the landslide was affecting. And after that landslide, like it happens with every emergency, there was a flood, uh, no pun intended, I apologize for the use of that word, but there was an influx of public records requests about that emergency. And they had more than 40 public information requests. And when it touched social media, because social media, again, was at the forefront of, of emergency management, they could simply direct the journalists and the public to the open archive of social media content. They could replay the entire social media response by themselves.
1: Wow. That's interesting. It's, and I, I just imagine, you know, as, as we move into this next stage of, you know, machine learning, you know, being able to interrogate those sorts of databases in order to gain insights into a particular community, there's going to be lots of business, I imagine, that could be created out of those insights that you'll be able to draw from the analysis of those you know what will be, I'm sure, very large data sets.
0: A- absolutely, I, I think uh, in general we are all just scratching the surface of the value of this data and getting the an- the insights out of it. That's, that's actually one area that we've we've already started working on with with a number of customers is analyzing the data in the archive and bringing yeah. out insights about how positive and negative was the response to what what you did. Um, what is the general trend of of of, of how your citizens view you? How does that trend? How's the trend moving? So one of the challenges that agencies face is public perception. So we actually are measuring sentiment now across the board and we can, we can show an agency who, who starts social media as afraid of that negativity, as we talked about before. Maybe they have a negative perception, but through the use of social media over time, they can move that perception in positive territory. So measuring these kinds of things and highlighting it uh, is a huge area of opportunity out of
1: this archive data that we've begun to explore. Indeed, what what can't archive social do? You guys are going great guns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sky, sky's the limit, I'm sure. But, but, uh... Well, it is.
1: It is. Like, will you think about that. That like that's really where you're getting into this value creation piece. It's one thing to be able to grab it, but then the next thing to be able to interrogate it to then you know be able to draw out the value that can then you know either inform your content or to you know identify where those challenges might be where you can apply what are increasingly scarce resources in the government and public sector to solve those problems so yeah it's 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 all coming isn't it it's all coming nice and quickly
0: it, it absolutely is and it's really interesting for us uh, even from when I started the company back in 2011 that there there's a massive industry around social media management Unfortunately, that that industry doesn't tend to put a lot of focus on public sector. But there's a lot of yeah. great tooling around, around social media management day to day. What was missing, of course, was the other side of the equation was risk management, uh, policy, uh, fulfillment, and so forth that we came into around archiving and specifically fulfilling public records laws. But the, the, the realization that we had from our customers telling us this was, you have all this valuable data and getting me compliant with my Public Information Act is, is essential, thank you for doing that, but can you help me br- yeah. more broadly, help me you know, find out when problematic content shows up on my site, someone uses the F word or a racial slur, I need to know about that, help me manage social media on the other side here, not just on the ROI side, but on the other side of protecting my agency, And and that's actually where our platform, we have a platform called Risk Management Analytics that sits on top of the archive. That all came out of customer feedback saying, what can you do day-to-day for me so that this archive's not just running in the background but helps me as a communicator manage my risk and, and, and improve my social media strategy?
1: Yeah. Just quickly before we do go, because we are heading up to time, I, I am interested in that risk management piece because obviously, again, government and public sector... You know the the risk profiles that we deal with are much different to to the public sector because of all of the various competing forces that are involved in the work that we do. what What just exactly does that risk management tool that you've got um, do and and how could it be applied in order for us to um, minimise those risks or manage or manage those risks, mitigate those risks?
0: Sure. there's actually three key areas where we focus right now with with the data that we have in the archive. The first is active monitoring uh, on content. So again, as I mentioned, we, ha- we actually have packaged in dictionaries around profanity and public safety so that uh, if, if the F word shows up or uh, kill or bomb or any of these words that you may be concerned about show up, our technology can match that and, and, and do that in a, in a loose, smart fashion, a fuzzy match of sorts so that you don't have to put every conjugation of the word in there. But anything that, that may be something that you need to react on as an immediate risk, whether it's removing the post or just reacting to it, sending your law enforcement out, we can alert you instantly on that. That's the first area. The second area that we're, we're, we, we discovered that there was a risk management component, and this really starts to transition from risk management to just m- more effective social media strategy, is responsiveness. The longer The longer you wait to respond to something, it could be just a simple question, but it could be a major concern, the greater your risk is. And so we have technology that can detect anytime someone asks you a question and let you know about that and help you respond very quickly. Uh, and then finally, we have this analytics alerting component that allows you to actually reflect back on what's happened. So say you had a crisis situation or say you're just looking across a social media campaign or initiative that you started six months ago, understanding the bumps in the road. Where did, where did the citizen sentiment get really negative? Where was it positive? Who are the top people commenting that are your trolls or your evangelists? What were the conversations that seem to have been the most positive or negative? So we provide that kind of analytic reporting on top of the archive data so that you can not only manage risk, but it really does transcend into just managing social media. And then what's really important in government that we often don't talk about what we should is that as a social media manager, you have to get buy-in from your stakeholders. A lot of folks in government around you still don't understand the value of social media. So being able to report on it with that analytics can demonstrate the value of social media get more buy in so that you can then leverage more of the benefits of, of those platforms
1: yeah great advice and that sounds like a wonderful service as well so congratulations for all the work that you're doing i think they've you've identified those you know clear areas and i think we're 60 plus podcast area uh, podcasts in and a number of the challenges that you've identified are, are things that we've pe- people have spoken to us about before. So congratulations on, on your success, and I'm sure you're going to continue to be a great success. So, Anil, what's the best way for people to actually reach out and get in contact with you so they may indeed want to bring Archive Social on to help them to manage their social media and manage their social media risk?
0: The best way is to visit our website uh, at archivesocial.com. But equally as valuable for this audience, of course, you can tweet at us at, at @archivesocial. You can go to our Facebook page. Uh, we again believe in responsiveness. So we'll be very responsive to your to your to your outreach and would and love to have that conversation. And, and David, if you don't mind, there's one more thing I'd like to plug outside of us being a company that provides a commercial offering. Um, We've recognized the importance of social media, particularly in these crisis-type situations, these emergency situations. And so we have launched this this, uh, corollary service called Crisis Support, where we actually provide access to our technology at no cost to an agency that's experiencing a crisis. So if you are experiencing a a mass shooting, um, a terrorist attack, a natural disaster, there's a website, govcrisis.social where you can submit your information a few days after that crisis, and we will, again, pro bono give you access to our technology to protect you from the public records requests and legal situations that might come out of that, that particular situation. So I wanted to share that with the audience as a, as a benefit that you can get it at no cost, even if you're not our customer.
1: Okay, fantastic. And we'll make some uh, efforts to promote that as well, because I think that is a, a fantastic... Uh Public service, and I think a lot of people uh, need that sort of support, particularly if they're if they're not ready and they haven't already set up the uh, archived social technology on their platform in order to capture their social media and manage their risks. So, Anil, thanks very much for joining us this week. Fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed it so much. Yeah information and value there. Great insights and uh, and the best of luck with all you're doing into the future. And thank you, audience, for being here once again this week. And we'll be back with another fantastic guest next week. Thanks. Bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the
0: practice of content marketing in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.